Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our esteemed guests introduce themselves uh, to our listeners and viewers, and we're going to start because I know the alphabet with Mr. Christopher Denote. Hey, everybody. Chris Denote. I uh, write military sci-fi. Short and sweet. Okay. And uh, next, we have Mr. James J.E. Pittman. Hey, everybody. I'm J.E. Pittman. You can call me James. I write the Felix Chance series and other urban fantasy and science fiction. Oh, freaking standing. And next, we have the many personalities of Miss Jenna S. Brown. Hi, I'm Jan S. Brown. I also write under Jenna Ray. That's where all of the science fiction, urban fantasy, and fantasy goes. And so that's most appropriate for this podcast. Outstanding. Uh, Rumor has it that the S stands for so cool. Indeed. It stands for smoochy. <laughs> I thought it was shiny. There, there is smoochies in there, too. It's true. I, I, I have a romance persona. And so, you know, we, we got to get our smoochies in. No, it's sweets because she makes sweets. Oh, there's that. Uh-huh. We have Mr. John Apple. Hey. Everybody's favorite evil ginger. Yeah. One comment about you were the favorite gender. And we're, it's probably like a gender supremacy thing. Thanks, Mom. I can't admit to that. Oh, that's true. Do you have like yeah. a secret handshake or a meeting? <laughs> I can All right, tell you what, I'd have to kill you. Oh, that's true. That's true. The next part of the introduction, dear listeners, how we found them. We actually all met at Cell in Tijuana. We were bonding over the beatings from the local cops and the rest, you know, as they say, is history. But I just want you to know, you should see the other guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> just going to put that out. You should see the other guy. All right. Uh, and because you've all been panelists before, we've done the religion question. So we're going to pretend to be civilized, though. We're going to talk a little bit about coffee because you know, that's what we do. So what is your favorite seasonal coffee or tea? Jana, I'm a hot chocolate fan. I like hot chocolate. I like high quality hot chocolate that actually has pieces of chocolate in it that you melt down. And then I like a Mexican hot chocolate, which is with cinnamon in it. And I love a good peppermint hot chocolate. Yes. You you just, you have to do the thing. I even have brewing chocolate. And so it's just like coffee, except it's cocoa nibs. And that is freaking amazing. I had you pegged for an apple, a hot apple cider lady. I like that too. It's true. It, it's true. I'll, I'll go so, back and forth between the, the fruity and the chocolatey. Coffee Brand Coffee just dropped one of their holiday hot cocos. It is I a peppermint cocoa. Yes. I, I, I may have to indulge this weekend. It's true. Okay. So um, speaking of, if you want a discount on that, Podcast Grunts on the link below. Follow the show notes. You get 10% off. Why not? And we get a little bit of a kickback, you know? Got to keep the show running. Speaking of, uh, Chris, since, you know, you're next in the little Brady Bunch square, favorite seasonal coffee or tea? Um, this time of year, I just like a good old – I like a good Irish coffee uh, if it's cold out. And uh, for a tea, um, I like cardamom tea. Uh, kind of got a taste for that. It, it definitely, you know, uh, wakes you up in the morning. So that's, uh, that's it pretty much. So when you get your Irish coffee, do you accent it with a little bit of uh, potato, um, just uh, for you know authenticity's sake? Uh, <laughs> if you mean potato as in vodka, not that comes later. 
Uh, all right, this is why we keep him around. All right, next in the Brady Bunch Square, we got Mr. James Pittman. So, how, favorite seasonal beverage? You know, I'm with Jenna. I like a good hot chocolate when it's uh, nice and cold out. Okay. Hot chocolate is good. Uh, and then we're going to let our next guest go, Mr. John Apple. So, yes. as a ginger, you just drink souls, correct? Yes, but only on days ending in wine. Okay. Well, now that that's saying, how do you like take your caffeine in the seasonal variety? Uh, in- intravenously. Acceptable. No, I, um, normally I like uh, uh, coffee and I have uh, flavored dreamers. Nothing overly fancy. So I'm, I'm kind of old fashioned that way. Just coffee and some flavored creamer and, and I'm usually good. Since I'm from North Carolina, just sweet tea works for me. Okay. Acceptable, acceptable. All right, Stabby Stab. Madam Stabby Stab, how do you take your seasonal beverages? With potatoes? You have to unmute. I know my screen froze. It was being stubborn. That's the excuse I, I use next time, too. Totally. I can't, <laughs> I can't. Um, say that I have a specific seasonal beverage because I drink it year-round now that they make the creamer year-round, but I'm a peppermint mocha kind of girl. All right. All right, Nick. All right. I like a hot toddy. What is that? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Mm, it's booze-related. That's why you it's like whiskey. it. It's, it's, what goes with the booze as a garnish? Jay, you was about to tell you. Uh, it's basically whiskey, a little bit of hot tea, depending on how you make it, and uh, cinnamon. Sometimes honey. You could also do it with apple cider. Not okay. apple cider, I'm sorry. Yeah, apple cider. Yeah. I almost said vinegar. I'm like, definitely don't put the apple cider vinegar oh. in there. No, no. Nick, let's just be honest. It's mostly the whiskey and then whatever else you put with it. I don't know if it's a splash or a dash because those they actually do have measurements. So I get them wrong, but it's very little. Sometimes it's me with an eyedropper. Yeah, just as you can say you didn't drink it raw, right? It's civilized. It's a mixed drink. Honest. There was like an ounce of something else. It's a mixed drink, and then it's warm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's usually what I'm drinking when people come over and want advice. While I'm dipping an Oreo in my whiskey, I'm like, "You've come to the right place." (laughs) So I I don't know if it's it's the beginning of fall. I'm a sucker for the pumpkin spice. Um, Later, basic white girl. I'm a basic oh. girl. Yes, I am. Oh, oh. You put your I mean, I don't have my Uggs yet, but I'm told when I level up, my my Pokemon gets Uggs next. So yeah, you got to get the Uggs, hey, the, the stretch pants, and uh, the vest. The Han Solo right? right? It's got to be Carhartt, so I think to get it. Like, <laughs> I haven't been invited to the meetings yet. I'm not high enough on the totem pole. Yeah, so I don't know. Days. Yeah, I, I dig that. I really like. Um, they used to make it at Starbucks, and now I have to make it at home. But they had a uh, maple syrup uh, mocha. They they mix it together. Was yummy. It was like a pancake in your mouth, and it was like Canada just punched you in the face with all the goodness from their trees. Uh, and so, you know, I figured they owed us one for being our hat for so long. But I just you got tea bag by Canada. Yes, we uh, did. It was delicious. I liked it. Uh, I'm okay uh, with the mocha, but I don't really like peppermint mocha. Caramel mocha. Now that's where it's at. I only really drink that in the winter. You should. No, caramel is a beautiful thing. Yeah, but that's not really seasonal. I guess that's an all-year thing because, you know, 
Peppermint people know. think of it seasonally, but caramel's all year. Caramel apple? That's I agree with that. I actually agree. I actually agree with you on something, Jr. That's uh, take a note of that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Stick that in your head and smoke it. Or no, there you go. I smoke it. I got it wrong. Damn it. They have a maple syrup one. You know, you had it for a moment and 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 you lost it. I mean, it was there, and and I'm sorry. All right, and so if you read the topic, it's the wibbly wobbly timey wimey Doctor Who panel. And just because we're talking about that topic today, I want you to know we'll be doing another panel with only British guests. It just seems fair. But first, we have to make them submit to the coffee supremacy over tea because why not? Oh, good luck. I'll get one of them to do it one day. Um, one day. I mean, it might not be that day, but I'll try. Uh, and with that being said, uh, First, we're going to ask the starting question. So what do you guys think makes Doctor Who so timeless? I mean, it's the longest-running sci-fi franchise ever. Probably the time travel. So it's oh. always there. So it's timeless. Oh. Okay. I've never thought of it before. I think it's they gave themselves a uh, an out with the, the whole regeneration idea that allows them to continue in perpetuity. And they can adapt the show to basically any uh, time, and uh, uh, they want to, you know. So Fantastic. I think, yeah, it's it's absolutely a clever way to to get around, you know, actors wanting to leave the show and wanting to take it into a different direction or you know reboot it. It's it's a real clever gimmick. It allows them to basically say, oh hey, it's cut time travel. So that thing that you thought totally happened, maybe spend a couple hundred dollars on books too, you know. Yeah, none of that happened at all because of time travel. Mm-hmm. So, oops, you know, go back to the beginning again. Okay. Well, and they did clever things with the storytelling. There's a reason that he's a doctor and not something else. And they talk about this occasionally in the show, that the reason he he chose the title The Doctor, because he's out there helping people and he's fixing things. And there's this real underlying message of positivity, even though the show can get really, really dark. Um, when it comes around, it almost always comes out to a positive place, to a place where he looks at the, the human race and says, oh, they can really, really screw up, but aren't they beautiful? Don't they have so much potential? And so at the heart, there's this great positive message that says, yes, we're big old screw ups, but the doctor believes in us. The doctor believes in us so much that he will protect us from other things. He says several times, the earth is protected because we, we have so much potential, and I love that positive message. Quit giving me goosebumps because I'm just thinking of Tenet saying that line. I'm like, this, <laughs> it's a great this line. Fool, this well, fool, me, is, give me a hug. That fits in with you know Star Trek being a close contemporary of it, right? I mean, so there's that mm-hmm. aspect to it too. So you know, it, it makes sense, especially as long as it's been around. Yeah, it's a very positive kind of spin on science fiction. That it's not a dystopian. It's not a everything is going to happen and be bad. But it's, yeah, there's a lot of challenges out there, and, and the world and the space is a big, scary place, but there's people like the doctor. And, and what does he always do? He gathers family and then jets around with them. How cool is that? I've always liked there's a, a, a playfulness to it, uh, to a lot of the doctors, too. They, they've, they've tackled some very serious topics, but they've done it in, in a playful way to, or in a lighthearted way, and it uh, still doesn't seem to take away from what they're trying to accomplish with the with the storyline. Yeah, they always bring a, a note of lightness to whatever dark, you know, 
corner they explore. There's always a little bit of hope. And as you guys were saying, it's nonviolent and kind of a, uh, they're clever in how they get around a lot of the adversity. It's like, we're not going to fight our way out. We're going to think our way out. And every so often you get a head fake yeah. where the doctor's given up and then everyone's like, no, you can't give up. And he disappears for like a couple of scenes and he comes back and he's like, I got it. You know? And you're like, and how many times am I going to fall for this shit? Well, you know, not to give too much away for the British, the Brit panel you're probably going to do. It's kind of like, you know, Britain's unique answer to the fact that a lot of the uh, sci-fi, you know, blockbusters and mega series that'll come out of the states so i mean with the brits too you tend to get stuff that is a lot more dark i mean uh, blake seven you know a contemporary of when doctor who first came out to that nobody in their right mom would call that a happy story you know let alone i mean it might be good you know or some of the other stuff that came out i mean britain in the 60s and the 70s wasn't exactly a really happy place to be otherwise you wouldn't have got punk rock you know if you want to think about it i mean so I think that's I think that's a big part of it, and also I mean let's face it, the UK had to have something that answered uh, to you know against Star Trek and then Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I mean I, I think the Doctor filled that kind of role. It's almost like how you know you get in heavy metal, you got the big four, you got Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. You know you kind of have to I guess you could argue who number four is, but I think you know it's big, big sci-fi franchises. Let's face it, you got Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. Those are, those well, Mr. Denote is obviously an educated man mentioning the four, the four <laughs> rock gods. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, like first that. off, you did get one thing wrong. Most sci-fi that they think comes out of the States is actually filmed in Canada. And all alien planets, by the way, do look like Canada. Vancouver. Or Utah. I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Galaxy Quest filmed everything in southern Utah because that is one heck of an alien place. Yeah. Galaxy Quest was a movie we deserved a sequel for and we did not get. I feel ashamed. Uh, I'm super so pissed about that. Strangely enough. I don't I know, man. I, I think that would I'm have, surprised you didn't. I'm like, don't touch it. You know, that's I'm like, leave well enough alone. You know, we, we see what happens when you don't enough times. Yeah. True. Probably true. Um, okay, so since we've talked about what makes it timeless, and you've mentioned the ability to change doctors as the actors you know want to break, or the fans get sick of the actor, or somebody gets hurt, or whatever, who was your first doctor? Matt Smith. Eccleston. Okay. Chris. Tom Okay. Tom, Tom Baker, because uh, he was the doctor still when I was a kid. Well, Tom Baker, first time I saw him, but Peter Davidson, actually, because that's the first time I actually watched the show. Um, and, you know, the only thing you could watch it on back then was PBS or uh, the local uh, public uh, television uh, network. In fact, that's how you saw all British TV, you know, really before all that, even before you had cable. So basically, I know, right, I'm dating myself, but. It was all telephones. You, you got to see Doctor Who because that's when PBS wanted all of the uh, donations. So they'd run mm-hmm. Doctor Who marathons. And so would the uh, local uh, uh, public television affiliate. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, uh, they literally started over from the beginning. And by the way, not all the episodes from the early days are still around. They've, they've lost some of the tapes and, uh, and whatnot. So I've literally seen Doctor Who, the original, 
first episode all the way through uh, when it was canceled the first time uh, with, uh, you know, foreshadowing uh, with, you know, number seven. So, yeah, yeah, possibly. So literally, you know, I saw I've I've seen I've seen them all, Uh, you know, picked it up back again with uh, with Eccleston. And I'll be honest, I quit about halfway into David Tennant because I just got tired of him. And watched a little bit of Matt Smith, and then I, I kind of quit after that, which is a shame. I like Peter Capaldi. I just was like, this this is just, no, nah, I can't do it no more. And um, I did like William Hurt, though, when, when they did the uh, the whole War Doctor thing. That was pretty freaking yeah, cool. I thought yeah, William amazing. Hurt was good. John. What? Not William. John. John Hurt. Yeah, John oh, Hurt. My bad. Yeah, Thank him. You. So, um, Jana, who was your first doctor? My first doctor was Tom Baker. I, I, I wear I wear the scarf because of Tom Baker. So he was my first doctor. Um, and again, it was as a little kid watching on PBS and then kind of watched through through there. Now, actually, Pluto TV allows you now to go back. They have a Doctor Who channel. Yep. And yeah. all it is is Doctor Who. And when, when we're having a slow Saturday <laughs> or Sunday, my husband will kick it on and we'll just watch what, whatever episodes are on in whatever order. And that's kind of fun because that's been a good way to go back and review some of the ones that I didn't see before I started watching or that you kind of forget because there are a lot of episodes when you consider how long it's been on. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Stabby? I'm she not sure. You're just gonna forget about me again. What was your name again? <laughs> I know. I didn't get to answer Ooh, the first question either. Um, either. my first doctor was Eccleston as well, and uh, the one I remember the most with that one is actually I think um, episode one with him, with the the mannequins attacking. Oh, those guys are freaky. Right. That's like awesome sauce. So, um. So I got through. Go ahead. I got through Eccleston, Tennant, and Matt Smith, and I can't pick a favorite. I love all three of them, but um, I haven't gone backwards yet, and we have yet to go forward. Uh, we're still in mourning for Matt Smith. So what? What question did I not ask you today? I'm pretty sure I wrote down. I've been getting you for all of them. No, the first one, the one about make what makes it timeless. I just opened it to the floor and let everyone who wanted to speak. And as the conversation You're moved, so I, was, I mean, you should just You're jump so in. Mean to Stabby. You're so mean to Stabby. What a jerk. Jeez. I got to throw right. a flag, penalty on the so, field, gaslighting, 10 so yard penalty. Repeat first down. <laughs> All right. So I just, I, I have it really easy because my, my first uh, doctor is the only doctor I've seen because I've seen a grand total of one uh, Doctor Who episode. Uh, and it was Peter Capaldi. I think that's how you say it. Yep. Uh, he was the twelfth Doctor. The episode was Oxygen, where the suits had dead bodies in them, nice. or spirits, or whatever. Oh. And my sister is a Doctor Who fan, so she made me watch that one episode. Now, one of, one of my exes got me started on it, and I was like, "Okay, let me see what everybody's been talking about." One episode with uh, Matt Smith, and it's all it took for me. So I ended up watching his. I went backwards and watched all the way back to Eccleston. And then after Matt Smith quit, I got off the Doctor Who train because I wasn't. You were you were in mourning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see that. No, I'm not gonna make fun of you because that's how I was with Tenet. We're in mourning. 
Eccleston maybe for a little bit. There's like three days where I was inconsolable, well, and then I moved I, on, found another doctor. I liked I liked Eccleston, but there there was certain charm missing from from his Doctor Who. That he was the, the dick doctor. The other ones, yeah. yeah. He he was the uh, the renegade. He was the jaded doctor. He's the post war um, doctor. Yeah, yeah and that's, like, that's a big thing. It's post war. It's it. You saw yeah. what happened to him as as Hearst, which we don't see until much later because right. time travel. Um, but you understand that coming out of Hearst, that that's why that's why he's such a dick. The way that he is. Yeah, very jaded. But he and was this is actually what's kind of funny about it because you know technically eight, you know what's his name, Paul McGann actually has played the character almost more than any of these other guys because he's done all the audio dramas. So, like, his entire oh, yeah. video has been yeah. dozens of those things. So it, it's funny about that. It's like you say, you know, the, the, the Dick Doctor or whatnot. It's like, I, I think back to Seven, honestly, on that. That's that's the difference. You know, you really got that's two true. whole different generations of people who get this character. You know, myself yeah. and my generation, you know, we saw it all the way, you know, a lot of it all the way up through the cancellation. Um you know, which was back in 1989, by the way, um, and it didn't come back to the 2000s. So, you know, it's it's two different shows. That's the thing is, you know, for you yeah. all, I guess I, I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. That's what makes it really interesting to me. Listen, everybody is it's two different shows. It, it really yeah. is. I, I liked Chris Eccleston. I, I did a lot. It was after a while, I guess it was just that, you know, Tenet just kind of wore on me because I'm sitting there going, dude, this is way too. I, I'll say it, it was got to be too hipster. You know, and I'm sitting there going, like, this is just, I, there was a British comedy show that said, that was making fun of Doctor Who, like the Brits love to do. I almost joked and said my favorite Doctor was Rowan Atkinson, because uh, of some of the comedy skits he's done <laughs> playing the character over the years. And I think he almost got the part at one at one point. So did Hugh Grant. It was Indeed, a, interesting. Right? Yeah, but it was, you know, your, your, your Doctor is just about, it was a, it was a, they were parodying Eccleston talking to, <laughs> to David Tennant. He's like, I was intense, mate. Your Ponzi doctor is just doctor is doctor Jarvis Cocker in Spice, you know, the lead singer from the band Pulp, if you remember them. So after okay. he said that, I couldn't watch it no more because it's like, you mean Pulp, you mean the common, you know, band, those guys. So that I was like, yeah, that, 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 that was like, that's it. I'm done. I quit. Can't do it no more. It's ruined. <laughs> so I got to correct the scroll bar that Nick and in his infinite power right now, he's going on a little power trip dead. He wasn't a hippie. He was a space hippie. Get it right. All right, hold on. I'm editing. <laughs> Uncultured swine. Uncultured swine. Doctor was a hippie. Yeah. So we, I, uh, we see. We, I didn't have spirited conversations here at the house because uh, my wife loves David Tennant, and uh, I'm I'm more she of should. a Matt Smith fan. There you Fences go. Are cool. Fences are cool, though. Yeah. Fences are cool. They are. And he was great in Last Night in Soho. So, All right. So we talked about who everyone's first was. Boom, boom, boom. Um, Never forget your first. Who was your favorite and least favorite doctor? I'm going to let everybody jump in as they, as they feel the need, the urge to confess their sins. I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about my answer first. Tenet's my favorite. Yeah. Same. Um, I say if I had to pick a least favorite, it'd be Capaldi. Um, of course, I've got like four doctors that I have not watched. Like I started with Eccleston. I watched two things. Then Hulu had Doctor Who from the beginning for a while. Mm -hmm. And I tried my best. 
But it was black and white and yeah, dry. I couldn't but watch fifty years of, of any show, so I, I tried my best too. I don't know. I I, mean, I, I like Doctor Who in general because they all had their, their little kind of shtick that they did that made their individual characters stand out. But for me it was Matt Smith. And then after a while I, I caved in and I tried to watch Capaldi. And it took me a long time before I got used to his because I was used to the tenant and, and Smith. And then uh I guess I was kinda indifferent about the 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 female doctor. I can't remember her name right now. Jo- Jody Whitaker. Jody Whitaker. Yeah, her. She was fine. She had some of the playful. Lovely lady. If you ever get a chance to meet her at a yeah. convention, she's so awesome. She had the some of the Very playfulness talented. that I missed from my previous doctors. But a- after a while, though, Capaldi did finally grow on me a little bit. But by then, his series was ending and, and uh, jo- Jody's was starting. I think so I just like all at other doctors after uh, Smith because. All he wanted to do was be a ginger, and we—they haven't given him cool. yet. So, got it. I will say that uh, the Americans, if you watch them, their opinion, generally speaking, on Jody uh, was eh, whatever. They nobody really cared that much. But if you read when they first announced her, like some of the articles coming out of the UK, oh, good oh, my God. the internet exploded. Like, People yeah. were shit fits. I, I mean, yeah. I was like, what did they finally put spice in their food? What's going on? Um, yeah, and, and, and I'll, and I'll throw this in here, too, by the way. People acted like that was some brand new, never heard idea. They've been talking about having the doctor regenerate as a woman since the 80s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, so it, that was the thing that I was just like, get real. Come on, guys. I mean, so now my favorite, I, I got to go with a classic. I'm sorry. It's, it's probably Tom Baker. I mean, just because that dude was so weird in how he portrayed it. He's the one I think really made the doctor come off genuinely as an alien. And that's that's the thing is, I mean, you know, I, I think everybody else, frankly, tends to make him too human uh, a lot of the times. And I, I can't comment on Jodie Whittaker because I didn't see a single one of her episodes. And I, I watched maybe one of Peter Capaldi's, which is, like I said, shame. I like the actor a lot. Um, my least favorite, probably six. I mean, which I feel bad for because that dude had probably the absolute worst scripts of any of the series I, I had costume design of anybody I'd seen. He's another one who got a redemption uh, play in all the uh, comics and audio dramas and whatnot where it's like, we're going to rescue the sixth doctor because this poor guy didn't deserve this. Uh, so, you know, but again, you know, old guy uh, speaking here, I just, I, I guess that's just what it is. I, I just, it's the generation gap. Um, I mean, that brings up an interesting point. You know, it's not about who, uh, who your favorite or least favorite doctor is it's like who's given the right material to work with mm-hmm. you know i think matt smith is an amazing actor he portrays the doctor very well i think he had very little to sink his teeth into uh under moffat's tenure as showrunner jody whitaker great actress i absolutely love her she was a great doctor but the storyline just wasn't compelling to me so i didn't watch it i agree with chris uh, you know, Capaldi is a great actor who they actually have recycled, which is a point I'll get to later. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I saw like half of an episode of his, and I at that point I was just kind of done with the the story arcs they were doing and the writing. It was just like it wasn't doing it for me. 
we got a lot of message fiction with Capaldi and Whitaker. Um, it was very, um, well, you know, here, here's the giant spiders and you're being mean to the giant spiders and you all suck. And we got a lot of, we were talking earlier about the positivity of it. And the thing that really drove me crazy with both Capaldi and Whitaker was that the writing forgot that this was that positivity about humanity, about the human race. And so they were a lot more bitter and a lot more, why am I protecting you people when you keep doing dumb stuff? And they lost that joy that, you know, because even Tom Baker, going back to the earlier ones, there was a fascination with what humanity could be. Mm-hmm. And there's, we got all of this very huge message fiction. And I'm really hoping that with kind of their their relaunch, bringing Tenet back before they go into the next Doctor, that they're going to regain that sense of, let, let's write a good story. Let's write a fun story. Let's not lecture to the people. Because I got lectured to and I stopped watching. Well, you know, the yeah, funny right. thing is, is that's what killed it the first time. I mean, let's face it, 1989, when everybody sees the Warsaw Pact is done, the Soviet Union is on its latest legs, the Berlin Wall comes down, and they deliberately decide that we're going to take an anti-Thatcher theme, you know, and go really hardcore, you know, early, uh, late 80s um, left-wing, you know, communist. But but, what did it for me was the very pro-Soviet episode that that they had. You remember that one? That was mm-hmm. the one that actually I was like, I'm done. And it's a shame. I actually like the Seventh Doctor. I like Ace. Uh, that's the only Doctor Who book I've still got was the episode Survivor, which I still like that one a lot. Right. And but I was just like, I'm like a 12 year old kid watching that going, this is freaking stupid. I mean, that is literally what's going through my head. It's like, oh, I have faith in the revolution. Therefore, I could, you know, I could walk around with a little hammer and sickle pen and totally beat these space vampires. I'm like, I, I'm freaking done. I was like, I'm twelve years old. I just watched the Berlin Wall fall down on live TV. Like, get out of here. You know what I mean? So that's what killed them the first time. Nobody wanted to hear anti-Thatcher, whatever, in 1989. All right, and and they just kind of—they literally ran it into the ground. And you know, you could say that it just ran out of steam. I mean, at that point, it had been on for 20 plus years um, already. So maybe that was just it. It was just time for it to take a break. Um, You know. So that's the thing is. And then, like you brought up about Tom Baker, Jada, I mean, he had an episode where he's debating whether or not he has the right to, to kill the Daleks before, right at the mm-hmm. moment of their creation, and he's fighting himself over it. I mean, you could really sit there and have an argument all day long, pro and con, Dude. if he was right. Always yeah. kill Daleks. Always. Right. Exactly. So it's not like they can't handle difficult issues and do it in a way that doesn't alienate people, you know, or gets the show, gets the show canceled. I mean, so there you go. So before we go to the commercial break, we do need John. You got to weigh in, sir. Your favorite and least favorite doctors. Well, my my favorite is Matt Smith, hands down. And then I don't, I guess uh, maybe Capaldi, but just because it took me so long to, for him, his character to grow on me. Okay. All right. And with that, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the woman this time. Thank you, Woo! Hey there. This is author Katie Cross. I'm coming at you with an offer for a best-selling fantasy audiobook titled Flame, and it's totally for free. Here's a little bit more about it. Dragon servants Sana and Isadora Spence live deep in Leadham Wood, 
where persnickety dragons and wars on the borders are the least of their worries. Thanks to years of simmering tension, the hidden village is destined to crack, and soon. Sana's deep love for the giant beast causes her to make an irreversible mistake, while Isadora's disinterest in the dragons leads her to a fateful decision that will change the course of the entire world. Can the sisters prevent everything they know from falling apart? Or do they allow it to break and pave the way for new growth? Join the beloved Sister Witches in Flame, the first book in the Dragon Master trilogy. Just go to www.katiecrossbooks.com forward slash flame dash audiobook to get your free copy today. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude. Thank you, Katie, for sponsoring that uh, this episode. The doctors, thank you, too. And, um, yeah, so we appreciate that. So now that we've talked about our favorite and least favorite doctor, do we have a favorite episode? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then, don't all speak at once. Let's say it. What, what's your favorite? Mine's I can't favorite. remember. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Who's talking? I don't, the Day of the Doctor. That's my favorite episode. The 50th anniversary um, episode. Mine's a toss-up between Day of the Doctor and um, Silence in the Library. I, I did love the, the Bastion Errata. Um, I don't remember the episode names nearly as well for the earlier ones, because there are several Tom Baker ones I'd put up there as favorites, too. But I'd have to look them up to get the actual titles. Since I've only seen one, mine is easy because obviously <laughs> it would be the oxygen episode. It was well done, but the uh, it was just a little campier than I was used to as a series. Uh, if they someone donates enough, maybe I'll have to sit there and watch uh, a lot of episodes. Um, we, could be, we could be bribed, right, Nick? I give a lot of kudos. I know, absolutely. Yeah, to the modern ones with the, uh, I think it is the day of the Doctor, right? Where you had both uh, 10 and 11 and the War Doctor, right? Yeah, and Don Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, and they settled the, uh, the the Time Lord, the Time War, what's the, that was really well done. I, I gotta, I gotta hand it to them. So I like that I one a lot. My favorite part of that one was where they kind of dive into the sonic screwdriver because one of the running gags throughout the whole show is it's rubbish with wood. Mm-hmm. And then you realize why it's because. You know, John Hurt starts at programming something that it runs through what, like a thousand years of processing between yeah. John Hurt's, the ninth doctor, Tenet, and Matt Smith's before it finally comes up with a solution while he's sitting there in a the cell. Well, and he has that lovely line when they, they whip out their sonic screwdrivers and he says, What are you going to do? Assemble a cabinet at them? which is kind of tying into that older, with the newer ones, the sonic screwdriver at times only almost became a weapon. In fact, there, there's times it was actually used to make things explode. Yeah. And that wasn't, in, in, in the earlier ones, it's not always a sonic screwdriver. It, it, it was about fixing things and it was about yeah. coming to solutions. And you never saw them doing that, woohoo, we're going to use it like a wand. And so I love that they actually called themselves out with John Hurt looking at them and going, what is the matter with both of you? He, he was so delicious in this role. And I think while I wanted to see more of him, I'm glad we didn't because I think it would have lost some of the impact that we got from that special and what he brought to it. I think that was one of my favorite roles of, of his was, was that. Mm-hmm. I, I did like the little mini app they did with five and 10 meeting each other because it's funny. They're related in real life by marriage. 
So yes. that, that was actually Which is a whole can of worms. It's hilarious. Right. But, you know, that was kind of, and they did that for charity or something like that. So that was pretty neat. You know what I mean? Okay. I can't uh, remember the name of the episode, but there's one of Matt Smith where he's riding a Triumph motorcycle up the side of a building to go and fight whatever the aliens are who looked like they had like the back part of their head was missing. It looked like a, a satellite dish or something was on the back of their head, but just the whole, the way they built up the scene, he, uh, he had some speech that he gave and then he's just riding up the side of a building on a motorcycle. For me, that was like, that. that's just cool. So I, I love it. Okay. Well, and that's a good point that Doctor Who really embraced alien looking and behaving aliens more so than we talked about Star Trek. And with Star Trek, we do get a whole lot of aliens that all look human with various prosthetics. And Doctor Who was one of the first ones, and now we've seen this a lot more in, Fars in Farscape and other things, but it was one Farscape. of the earlier ones that said, let aliens be really, really weird. They should. Farscape yeah. was awesome, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the Ood. They literally have, yeah. like, their personality outside of their body. Yeah. There was one that looked like freaking potatoes, too. I can't remember the name of those guys. Oh, oh. Real yeah. short guys. They, yes, they, 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 uh, yeah. Zygons? No, Maybe? no. Zygons there. is. Um, oh, well, he was hilarious. I'll find it. Keep talking. Sontarians. It's the Sontarians. Yes. Yeah, those were some weird dudes. And they had some creepy looking kids mm -hmm. uh, in some of them, too. Give me a little potato. <laughs> Yeah, when my doctor walks around, go, or my daughter walks around going, are you my mummy? And I'm like, stop it! I'm never letting you watch that again. Don't do that. Because it's was creepy. Is she wearing a gas mask? That mannequin? Oh, no, yeah. she would if she oh, could. That's the creepy kid I was thinking of. Uh -huh. And then that one with the mannequin, too. Those yeah. mannequins. Yes. With, I think that was an Eccleston episode. That was the first yeah. one. That was the first one. Yeah. First one. That, that was um, freaky. It's definitely a long, far away removed from, you know, tinfoil. Back, way back in the day, so I kind of yeah. give them that. <laughs> I mean, they started with Daleks, which were basically trash cans with plungers attached to them. I and couldn't it, stand yes. their voices. I wanted to get rid of them just because of that. Yeah. They are not scary. Exterminate. They're not scary. I said what I said. Mm. They're only they scary, but I think they're scary by implication. I mean, if you think about what they are, and but they, boy, they do try their damnness to make them scary. And it's like, I'm yeah. sorry, it's a salt and pepper shaker, man. You, you, you're really not going to scare me. <laughs> I made one out of a, out of a salt and pepper shaker with toothpicks. Although that brings up an interesting point. We go back to like, you know, the the child, are you my mummy? Uh, the creepy mannequins, the salt and pepper shakers. They do a really good job of taking either ordinary everyday things or even the most absurd stuff and just making it creepy and slightly terrifying and leaving an indelible mark, like, you know, angel statues that mm -hmm. weeping angels. Are not, the weeping, the weeping angels, angels are some of the most terrifying creations yep. in science fiction. That's actually brilliant too, because I mean, literally how much does that save on your special effects budget? Yeah, quantum lock. It if is, you look at them, they brilliant. can't move. It's really genuinely brilliant. It is a great, great, great idea. That that's something like from the the modern era, I guess. And I'm like, that's really cool. I wish I thought of that. Mm -hmm. 
but it also made Blink a really ep excellent episode. And it's an episode that the Doctor and his companion are actually not in that very much. They're you, like you a look flashback and, and like the last scene. On, on the TV thing yep. um, that, that they're able to do. And other than that, it's a Doctor Who episode that has very little of the Doctor in it, but yet everything is influenced by the Doctor. Which saves on production time because they can send a second unit out to do the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everyone else got a vacation. Yep. But it also hits one of those funny things where, for me, the Weeping Angels had the same problem that the Borg eventually had. First introduced, you have this absolutely terrifying, overpowering kind of thing. But every time that they went back to them and that they brought them through again and again, the, the terror started coming back. Because and you know, in Star Trek, it. the board got silly, the Weeping Angels got explained, and then that terror went away versus just the sheer terror of, if they touch you, you're toast, man. Yeah. You're, 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 you're effectively dead even if they don't kill you. I, I didn't want it all explained because that was part of why it was scary. Right. The mystery of it is the the uh, the creepy factor, the terror of it. Like when you do, what was it, Angels Take New York? And it's mm -hmm. like the freaking Statue of Liberty. I mean. Oh, yeah. It was just, that was awesome. Yeah, that was stupid. It, 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 was, it was so, epic so in a dumb, stupid awesome. way. Yeah. That, exactly, Nick. Exactly. It's it's so bad, it's good type thing. Well, then they started rewriting that history like that with Whitaker, so. Sorry, we're talking over each other. Sorry, Sorry about that, guys. <clears throat> John had mentioned Cybermen. That's what he yeah, so, there. I was saying that's yeah. the, the Cybermen were like that for me. It was so so lun, lun, lunacy, and it was like they still managed to pull it off and make it entertaining. Yeah. I actually just watched that episode in the tenant run. It it isn't like overtly terrifying to me, but like the whole like cultish aspect and the the moment when it's like, oh wait, that's her mother, and then you, you just kind of think about all the implications of, you know, they cut out her brain, stuck it in a robot body, and then wired it up. It's like, oh, that's just like creepy. Yeah. How dare you do that to my mom's? <clears throat> exactly. I mean, seriously, that's this one thing that just hits the <clears throat> hits the high points and hits the hard really hard like you know well, you, healing you saw a lot of the cybermen in the older episodes too i mean so that was yeah. it's funny because i don't know if something happened with the copyright or whatever but they they it took a lot for them to get to use a lot of the old stuff and that's why i think it took so long for them to bring it back but you know they they were they were monster du jour in the old stuff um yeah because they weren't even in the first thing yeah, exactly. I mean, so that's just it. But it, it's again, it's sort of like the, the Daleks. It's scarier by implication than it is when you actually watch it, just because it's kind of silly. But right. you know, but it's so, that like, implication of losing yourself and becoming the bad guy, and that—that's you know a concern that we see in a lot of, of fiction, a lot of science fiction that we explore. What what happens if you jack into the internet and you can't get back out or yeah, exactly. you become the, the robot? So so it's it's attaching to those same fears that we see in a lot of science fiction, whether it's games or movies or books or or whatever. It's that line between the human and the the not, the human and the robotic. And that's one great thing about that episode is like it is all about like losing yourself. The daily download is what mm -hmm. doomed the planet to becoming these, you know, unfeeling robot creations it's like everybody was jacked in to the information just being downloaded every day and that was like a creepy moment in and of itself because it's like the whole world stopped 
got their info dump and they ended with like a little laugh humor moment. And it was just like synchronistic and it mm-hmm. like just played on. Now I just literally watched that the other day. But it was written back in what, 2005, six, something like that. And it's like, wow, that's, you know, timeless. You know, going back to the first question, that's one of those fears today is like we get sucked into our own phones. Mm-hmm. And these little earbuds that everybody had in this alternate dimension were uh, brainwashing everybody. <laughs> I totally ripped off that idea for a comic book. Why did you have to specify alternate dimension? I think that's happening already in ours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how they got away with it. There was like, no, this is this, we fell into a, a parallel dimension. So speaking of uh, humans, because the doctors are nominally aliens, do you have a favorite companion? Ooh, I was Rose. About that. He didn't Rose. have to think about that at all. Okay. No, right off the cuff. That one was already in the chamber. I mean, Donald was hilarious. Donald was like the one that really stood up to him and kind of balanced out. Challenged him. Challenged him, yeah. Like yeah, Rose is spawning all over him. Donald was just like, too, whatever. I'm going oh, to do whatever. Rose was nice. hot. I'm, I'm a very simple creature. Rose was hot. <laughs> no, you go there go to Jaren Gillen with the ginger. Yeah, Matt Smith's run. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I enjoyed her too. Um, he's always had great companions, so it's really hard to kind of pick one. It's always uh, funny great. how... You I can like recognize the, them in previous episodes too, like yeah. uh, except for Billy Piper, like the second one, like Fremo was in one of the, the episodes. Uh, Karen Gillan was actually in the Rome episode, and mm-hmm. heck, even Peter Capaldi. Capaldi was in like Rome. A, he was a a cabinet member, I think, in Torchwood. Was it or one of the Doctor episodes? Well, he, he he was also in the Rome episode. He was he was um. Oh, he wasn't a legionnaire, but he was there. He he was in the Okay, so what you're saying is if you make it through two cycles of callbacks, you get to become the doctor? Then you get to become the doctor, yeah. Okay, that's cool. And and I liked, I loved some of the old ones. I loved Sarah Jane. I liked um, the first doctor's granddaughter. Uh, Romana was amazing, and she was not human. She was another Time Lord. Um, And canine. Canine is probably the the, the coolest companion, our, our cute little robot dog. I mean, I want who doesn't want so a robot bad. dog? <laughs> He's like, oh, canine, I've missed you so. <laughs> See, it's cute. It's cute. That it was hilarious cool. when they compared Mickey to the can- to canine. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wait, he's the robot dog. Never mind. River Swan was also a second favorite. She got on my nerves a little bit. I liked, I liked the concept of her story arc, but it just, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, as much as I just bagged on the seventh doctor, I liked Ace. Yeah, I liked her. Kind of, I liked her a lot. I mean, she was kind of that punky British schoolgirl, you know, with the baseball bat and everything else. And I mean, the relationship she had with the doctor was literally more like a teacher and student, which mm-hmm. you know I, I thought was I just thought was neat. Um, so you know, honestly, she's one of my favorite. But yeah, I mean, Rose was Rose was really good too. I mean, so that's again another score, another point for the modern era. Okay, so <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the uh, the big bads? Because every uh, protagonist needs an antagonist. So the baddies in the um, the franchise writ large. Obviously, we talked about how not scary the Daleks were, but what about uh, some of the others? 
the master. Give me the master any day. Yeah. I love the master in Downright all of his iterations. Well, it was diabolical because it, it was his friend at times. And, and, and you never knew what was going to happen with the master. So they really had that relationship of, we, we have this shared past. We have this redemption arcs. We, we keep trying to save him, but then bad things keep happening. And the master is always the master and the doctor is always the doctor. And you know it's going to turn out badly. And yet he wants it so bad. He wants the master to be something more and something different and... So yeah, I always love the interplay there. That it's goes back hard. to his hope. You know, it's he wants the redemption of his fellow Time Lord. It's just kind of a cyclical hope and betrayal at the same time, but he never gives up. It's very Professor X and Magneto. Yeah, mm -hmm. very much. Mm -hmm. I think it works because of that. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Master because I'll be honest, I, 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 it's, I think that's actually part of the probably the biggest weakness in my book with Doctor Who is I don't think the Rose Gallery is that impressive. I mean, Davros gets annoying after a while. It's like we already established that Daleks aren't scary, so dude in spirit of Halloween mask in a wheelchair isn't scary either. Right. It's funny uh, with the Daleks, you know, I kind of... They are terrifying in concept because of their the actions attributed to them, but then you have, I think it was... Uh, annoying in execution, though. Yeah, annoying execution, especially when you got to like the mighty morphing power Daleks with the, I think it was the Churchill episode where they all turned different colors and they had different specialties and crap like that. I'm like, no, just just go back. And they did a moment with, uh, what was the one where Jenna Coleman premiered as the one in the Dalek? Oh, um... it was one of the season premieres. But that was a very good Dalek episode. It was just like, okay, you're going back to the core of the Daleks there. Okay. So um, does anybody else have any thoughts on um, the other baddies that were in there? I've always been a fan of the Daleks. I love those episodes. Because um, they're so stupid looking. But so they're the concept so terrifying and such a big monkey wrench and everything, no matter what time he goes to, there's a Dalek there dicking with shit. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I like when they finally revealed what the Daleks look like outside of their trash can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's inside the trash in miniature. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the concept behind it. I thought it could have been scarier than it was. I think the execution left a lot to be desired. And later, as they had the ability to fix it uh, and not make it so campy with technology and stuff, they chose not to. Yeah. They leaned into the campy. Yeah. yeah that's the fan service. Yeah. Because if you made it, if you'd made it too too um, new and CGI and everything else, I think a lot of your fans, particularly your British fans, would have gone, well, wait, now it's not my who anymore. Exactly. I think I, I will say one of my favorite like actual villain villains, aside from the master, just like sheer concept, would be the silence. Mm -hmm. Just because you know that led to a lot of like psychological drama and terror, and it really leaned into that you don't know what's going on. You know, you have your weeping angels and then you have your silence because, you know, a villain you literally forget as soon as you look away from them. And it leads to some very visceral, 
visceral visual moments, like where they're literally marking hash marks over their face to try and remind them of the villain they've encountered. Well, don't forget too. I mean, one of the other long-running storyline ideas they have that they've kind of dropped is that the the doctor eventually goes bad, or that there is a bad or evil regeneration of, of his. You know, in the earlier episodes, they call him the Veil Yard, which you know, or something like that. Is so there's sort of that undercurrent as well. Is what does happen if the doctor goes bad? And what are the implications of that? And let's face it, you know, the more they lean into that, the Time Lords really aren't particularly nice people. Um, you know, especially with some of the things they did. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, it depends on kind of how you take that. Didn't Timothy Dalton cameo as one of the Time Lords as like one of their supreme? Uh, he was he, he, he was the one Time Lord. Yeah. And he was the biggest dick. I know. That was the in a bad way about it. Yeah, that was all during the uh um day of the doctor. That's what I was uh, thinking. The the Warrior Time Lord, uh, where we got the uh, the War Doctor. Yeah, that that, that was just a great episode. That that literally questions that I would say like newbie fans had. Yeah, it it, it tied up a lot of the loose strings, I thought, um, and then left a couple of threads open to continue further with future Doctors, which was also one of the things I liked about the series was that it it tied up. Uh, story plots. It reminded me a lot of like, um, like comic books when they do like their their mega mega events, yeah. you know. So it's like each, it's like it answered a question but presented a new question, and then it went on to the next episode to answer that question, present a next question, you know, and it built up, built up, built up, built up until the point where you're like, oh man, we still got a couple of threads, and then they had this just like mega issue, yeah, where it kind of brute, you know, pulled all the strings. And, well, but it still your, left you with some other stuff, you know, to, to move forward. With. To your it comic point, forward. it literally was like the biggest crossover event, like a Marvel event or whatever, because you had, you know, the War Doctor stuff, you had 10 and 11, mm-hmm. yeah. just kind of like. And uh, there was a cameo yet. from Baker at the end. Yeah. Yeah, he showed up. Yeah, so it was like the end game of the Doctor Who universe before end game was a thing. So right. Just like, Back in the day, I, they I had it was called the Five Doctors. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, what the so it's like they've they've done that, but it's like I think you get this like every twenty years. <laughs> is what Which, they're it's coming up on the sixty-year like anniversary, right? A lot of those specials are coming out starting what November through the early next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, we start getting David Tennant's like over U.S. Thanksgiving. It's somewhere around that time. Yeah, yeah. That That's we get a three, there's a three-episode arc there. And then I haven't read what comes after that. I know that's where they'll go into the next the next regeneration. Again, it's kind of a, a reboot because Whitaker's run was, uh, especially with the Flux, and they, they did some weird, weird stuff, and a lot of fans did not appreciate it. Well, I mean, they wrote themselves into a corner, you know, however many years ago, and they said the Doctor has 13 regenerations, and then they, they got to the 13th Doctor, and it's like, okay, what do we do now? And then they tried to explain it away with, I think it was Day of the Doctor or one of Matt Smith's episodes where, you know, he, he got all the regenerations of the other Time Lords to, you know, become. Yeah, it was the Christmas episode. Yeah. I wasn't sure which one it was. I kind of had tuned out by that point. 
It's like, oh, no, you're in, written into a corner, and now what are you going to magic your way out of it with? Speaking of writing into a corner, it's going to be a blunt force segue, but do you guys um, have any thoughts on some of the spinoffs that have happened in this uh, Doctor Who universe, the Whoverse, I guess? I just laugh at Torchwood because it was a uh, – they came up with a name because they were trying to hide that it was the Doctor Who tapes going back to editing in the dailies. So they just scrambled the name Doctor Who to Torchwood, and then they ran with it in uh, Tenet's season as a spinoff. I tried to get into it, but, I mean, I got a few episodes in, but I'm like, eh, eh whatever. It was okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's not something I'm like, oh, man, I have to watch with whatever. Right, same. I binged it a couple times. I did the miniseries, you know, what was it, Children of Earth, and then just fell off after that. I like the uh, yeah. the Captain Jack Harkness uh, episodes, but I don't, I didn't not enough to watch his own series. No. That was the thing. He was, he was a, a lovely little spice thrown into the mix. Right. He, he wasn't the main ingredient. No, you know, I don't think he. I don't think he was ever able to. Like he's an enjoyable character. His little his silliness, his you know Han Solo esque type persona. And then they know, worked him in later as the face of Bo, because that yeah. was one throwaway line. Yeah. In one ever episode, and then it was like, oh no, we're just making him a giant head in a jar in later yeah, episodes because he lived so long, millions of years, millions of years, all the way to the end of Earth, and after, and after. And some other shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks to cat people, I think cured him. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think yep. I think it was the cat people that were. So, do you guys count the um, the audio dramas, the comics, and the books as part of the universe? Or are those are just sort of take it as you want kind of thing? No, they add their bit to it. They're not required. You're still going to understand as much as you're going to understand without them, but they do fill in some nice little bits here and there where yeah. um, you can, you can dig a little deeper. Like say uh, number seven got a lot better run when you were doing with some of those kinds of things. Um, number eight got a lot more action because eight was, he, he had a very, very tiny run. I mean, that was like, what it was, it was kind of a made for TV. Wasn't he like a TV movie? And then he got the uh, five minute blink and you miss it lead in for Day of the Doctor to show that how he became the War Doctor. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah so you really didn't get much. Yeah. I I, I think it's right. As you, take it as you, you can take them as you leave it, but they do offer a nice opportunity to fix some things that, you know, even like probably the creators are like, yeah, we didn't like that. Let's go retro- retcon that. Yeah, I never took him as canon or anything. More of a, hey, this is nice uh, addition to the story, but I never took it seriously enough to think it was canon. Okay. Does, uh, what are people's thoughts on the role of time travel other than as a plot device to allow them to keep the show going no matter how many changes they have to make? I think that's probably the best way you could do a show like this. So yeah. you can have, at any point in time, you can have multiple doctors in that point of time doing different stuff. I think that was probably the coolest thing about that show. And they've illustrated that in multiple episodes. Yeah, yeah with Day of um, Doctor and also with the upcoming specials, I think. Yeah. I think they've had two or three episodes with Tennant and Smith in them at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So I always thought it was clever coming. storytelling. And, and have one the regeneration aspect. 
they have one that's looking pretty interesting where it's Matt Smith as the doctor and then Tennant doing a crossover with his good omens uh, Crowley demon. That would be hysterical. Which is, which is also an amazing show. Yes. Mm-hmm. All well, right. And they don't take the time travel really seriously because if you read a lot of hard science fiction where they work through, here's the paradox you're dealing with, here's the, the magnitude and everything else, they, they really blow that off. The, the only thing that we get is that David Tennant brings up fixed points in time. There are certain things that they can't change, and when they try to change them, it still ends up happening that way. And despite that subplot there, we almost never see mention of that again. If they want to go back and fix something or do it a different way, they just do. Yeah. I mean, they tackled the great, you know, the biggest one time travel always does is let's go back and kill Hitler. Kill Hitler. Yeah, let's kill Hitler. That That was the Mm -hmm. origin of River Song. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I think this is my theory from the fixed point on time um, things that they threw into the story is that I think Tenet is the true form of the doctor. He is that fixed point in time as a, you know, from Gallifrey. I think that was probably his original form. Well, that's interesting. Hadn't thought about that. Because as many times as they keep bringing him back, they introduce that idea that why do they keep bringing him back? Because and it's probably because I love David Tennant. But, well, it might also just be his preferred form. As in, his preferred form. And he's been around so long that he forgot it, you know, when he got introduced as the 10th Doctor. You know, he's like, oh, oh, he's like, oh, you know, all up in his gums. And he's like, oh, I'm not a ginger. Oh, oh blimey. And then, like, that was one of my favorite lines. And, like, I think literally the end of the first Christmas episode where Tennant made his appearance, where he gets his hand chopped off and he, like, literally is like, Oh, and it's, it's a, a freaking hand. <laughs> yeah. That alien was pretty cool too. Well, I think that when he said that, that that leads to an idea that sometimes they're not always human-esque when they regenerate. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, why don't we get like a, a couple of seasons of that? I think that'd be cool. They they played around with that during Tom Baker's era because they had Ramana decided she wanted to regenerate. You know, it wasn't forced on her, and they had her like blink through a bunch of different forms, including some non-human yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, so it's like they've got so much stuff they could go back and mine. Wasn't know? that an Ood Doctor would be hilarious? Wasn't that part of like the original lore? Is like the males couldn't pick their form, but the female Time Lords could pick the form, or something like that. I don't know. That's going. No, they, they used to kind of play on the idea that the doctor was kind of bad at a lot of things. Like he hijacked the broke, uh, obsolete TARDIS that he broke really didn't have to pilot. And, I mean, uh, that's kind of the whole thing's like that iconic sound was like the parking brake is on. And he's terrible at driving it. That's one of the like you say it's harkening back to he's bad at this stuff. He's just kind of figuring it out, making it up as he goes. Okay. He got he he got he's the definition of C's got degrees in time travel doctor school. You mm-hmm. know. So does anybody I'm the world's most eh doctor. <laughs> but I'm the only one left. You know what they call the guy that graduates at the bottom of his class at medical school? They still call him doctor. doctor. That's right. Um does anyone else have anything they want to weigh in before we wrap this episode up or are we kind of exhausted the talking points on the broader level? I'm curious to see all the hate mail we get from the Brits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think... Yeah. Stupid Americans. I got, a, I got a banner for that. Hold on. I mean, you know, we've got some tea in the harbor left for them. They can come get it if they're really that curious. 
Oh, harsh. Oh, damn. Damn, Gina. What? What? All right. So uh, the next uh, with this, dear listener, dear viewer, is we could potentially, if you've got some episodes you want to suggest that we do, we can have all the, the panelists back and we'll do like an actual episode review. Uh, if there are any topics you want us to dive into more more narrowed down than just broadly Doctor Who as a topic, we could do that. As usual with all of these uh, initial panels, we're just taking broad sort of shotgun scattershot approach. But uh, the next episodes will be a lot more targeted. For instance, we recently did a G.I. Joe episode. Uh, our next episode on G.I. Joe will be about the comics in that franchise. So that's kind of what we're going for. So that each of these um, iconic properties has a whole lot for us to mine. And mine it, we will. So with that being said, I'm going to go around and let all of our guests tell us what they're working on and where we can find them on the wild, wild interwebs. And because I'm a freaking gentleman-ish, and the ish is doing a lot of heavy lifting, Jenna, how can listeners and viewers find you? And what are you working on? Fantastic. Viewers can find me at www.opalkingdompress.com. That is where myself and all of my alter egos live, provided that my brother fixed it and it's back up. But that's where you can generally find me on the socials. You can find me under Jenna Ray or under Jana S. Brown Writes. Um, and those are the important ones for here. I am currently still writing the third book in a fantasy trilogy. My mother has requested that I get it done before the end of the year. And as I've said before, I always do what my mama asks. So I will have it done by the end of the year and it will release first thing in January. Is she bribing you with chocolate? I hear that's the way to your heart. No, there's no bribing here. She's a mom. She said, do it. And I said, yes, ma'am. All right. There's a lesson there for you kids. Do what your mama says. That's Thank our PSA for the day. <laughs> All right. Mr. Denote, Christopher, what are you writing? And then how can they find you? Hey, everybody. Um, working on more reviews for Upstream. Um, also eagerly waiting on uh, news of a possible story acceptance by Rack and Tour. There is a novel that's uh, in draft taking forever and a few other shorts that I've got on the works for uh, various uh, players, not all middle sci-fi looking to branch out a little bit to some other genres. Uh, find me on Amazon along with my wife, Jamie Denote. She also writes under the pen name Liska McCabe. And uh, we're also on Facebook, on the Facebook, the, the face of book, not the face yeah. of book. Outstanding. All right, Mr. Pittman, what are you writing today? And then how can we stalk you? I mean, follow you on the interwebs. So I'm currently working on the uh, third installment of the Felix Chance series. Yeah, Felix Chance. This one's going to be called Off Chance. Uh, you can find me on the webs at www.halfacrepond.com uh, or j.e.pitman at the various socials or Writes on the Facebook. Oh, freaking standing. All right, John, wow us. What yes. are you drawing? Or writing, whatever. Right now, I'm working on that 90s comic I was telling you about. It's still kind of hush-hush, G14 classified. Um, but I will be doing, starting Exodus Z, not uh, issue number two, within the next week. Because uh, I've gotten the script. We're fulfilling the last of the issues for number one. And uh, I don't see why we can't progress from where we're standing now. Because we, we just got in uh, a supplemental story in Tales of the Collective, uh, which is a local comic book store, the book that they, they release. And I think we're waiting on Kickstarter to, I guess, do their thing so that we can announce the campaign on there. 
and uh, I'm usually under Seclusion Studios on all the social media outlets. Ah, oh, freaking standing. And, uh, and John I is the best hype man ever. He will like anything you post. No, it's only if it's cool. He likes. No, he likes everything I post. Am I just that cool? I guess. Uh, yes. yes. You are absolutely that cool. Name's right. Danny. Come on. Nick, I'm going to see if you can do this in under like an hour. Last time we got like your dissertation for your PhD and what you were drawing and all 100 billion <laughs> open projects. So, what's one you, know you got project? into? I mean, not that we're bitter or nothing, but uh, uh, my, my, the project that I'm working on right now and, you know, is uh, Quickwire. It's our Apache's first speedster. Um, we're very excited about it. I think we've added some new things outside of the speedster trope uh, on how he gets his powers and how he uses them. And yeah, it's going to be a fun book. It's going to have a lot of comedy in it. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to get started. I'm doing the page layouts right now. So we're, we're looking somewhere around mid 2024 when it comes out. Any truth to the rumor that it is uh, Taco Bell that gives him his speed because he's trying to find a bathroom? No, but he is a fan of Taco Bell <laughs> because he's like 20 years old and in college. And who isn't a fan of, at that age? Because you totally s- skip the part where it wrecks your stomach like in your 40s. So my motto mm-hmm. for Taco Bell is if you're going to get diarrhea, get diarrhea. Taco Bell. I saw on Twitter someone sharing the meme where they showed the same menu or not same menu, the same item they ordered uh, in 1990 on the receipt because it happened to be in a library book they were scanning. And now, and I just like, wanted to cry. It was like four under four hours and he had like half the menu on there. Yeah, it was. Oh, wow. I remember when gas was less than a dollar. Oh that man, Sunday. that was nice. That was nice. I, I remember threatening to ride a bicycle if it got over a dollar when I was on post, it was like at 89 cents. And I was like, hey, man, if it gets to a dollar, I'm getting a bicycle. You got to unmute. Can't hear you, Sammy. Oh, I know. I was, I was making a point. Nobody ever asked what I'm working on, but we're currently working on Stabby merch. Ooh. Just saying. I didn't know that was up for public <laughs> consumption yet. Nick didn't tell me. So I would have yes, asked you if I had known. It's a work in progress. We're trying to get it together so we can put it on the Blasters and Blades site that Nick is also working on. But there will be Stabby merch that um, has some of the common sayings like make it make sense or just saying, but also I will cut you. Um, but we are working on that. So so real quick before uh, before we wrap this up, Nick, what's the status on the King Arthur comic? Uh, we're going to do, um, well, Jaina is working on a personal story, which is going to be kind of the uh, issue zero going into The Last Pendragon, which is the name of that book. Um, she's got some ideas that she shared with me. They're pretty exciting. It's going to be fun. I'm going to do my Jeff Goldblum. Like, oh, yeah. Like you. I, I undervalue sleep. So like you, I have multiple open projects, but I'm working on a book too. I should have it finished into the editor before the crack of new years for our, our curse brigade series with James Ward, modern strikers, fantasy, Egypt, and the gods, what could go wrong? Uh, I just uh, spent way too much time researching, but uh, I wrote a scene in Egyptian hell. 
So a guy, guy went all Lazarus there and came back. So that was kind of fun. Um, there's a reason the scene is there, I, you know, but I probably would have made up a reason just to have fun with, you know, because Anubis is cool. Hand wavium. Exactly. Because magic, yo. All right. And with that being said, you can um, find us on the interwebs. But if you want to know where, go to Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast, where we link to all the things, the bit shoots, the rumbles, the Twitters. You can email us for serious business inquiries. You can go to our Facebook page in the Facebook group and you can comment on the things. We appreciate it when you do. Or you can reach out to Madam Stabby Stab and send all of her send her all of your hate mail. She will make you cry and it's okay. She hasn't gotten any hate mail though, people. So I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in you vis- the viewers and listeners. Um, you really need to up, up your game. Um, I think I might, they're scared. I might even have to get Nick to make up a, like a shadow account. Like he's working for the big studios to insult his own thing, to try to like gain traction. Maybe that's the trick. Um, I don't know. We have a website where you're, Anchor.fm slash blasters dash and dash blades again. Anchor.fm slash blasters tack and tack blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Speaking of supporting the show, you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast, and I promise I will keep my co hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until Java pours out of their ears. That might burn, though, so maybe drink it quicker or something. And uh, you could also support the show. What's that? Will will it increase my VA rating? It might. Um, After the third pack, it will guaranteed increase your rating by 5%. And uh, if you want the coffee for yourself, go to the link in the show notes at Coffee Brand Coffee. Use the link Podcast Grunts, and you get 10% off uh, on the merch. And sometimes – the, the code will be for more around the holidays. So for Christmas, they, they talked about a higher percentage. Uh, no news on that yet, but it's worth checking. And if you like coffee and you like stuff made in America, why not? And unlike some companies that do this, this isn't drop shipping. They actually have a roasting plant where they make it. So the company that's selling it to you is the company that's making it. It's the company that's boxing and shipping it. Um, and it's made in America. So, hey, I mean, at least if we've got child labor, they're family. So it doesn't count. America, baby. All right. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co-host, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. And if we didn't piss off at least one Brit, we did not do our job right, and we will come back and try again. Yeah, you teased Uh, in the harbor. Just tell them I'm Irish. They'll get pissed off. All right, something, something, Margaret Thatcher, and we're out.